you got cooking? How about cooking something up with me? Let's stir it up, boys. Welcome to the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. A weekly excursion into the fine art of preparing the world's most popular recipes under an open sky and an open flame. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the old grill sergeant, Randy Hayes. Wow, <laughs> what a week it's been, huh? The sheer amount of energy, positive and negative energy, it, it's been simply overwhelming for me. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm kind of sick and tired of it all. Well, COVID just seems to go on and on and on. And now we're hearing that there aren't going to be enough doses of the vaccine for everybody to get a second round. Good grief. How does that even happen? How did things get so screwed up on this rollout? Well, <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be the first time we saw the federal government screw up a rollout, would it? But this one just seems to be a massive mess beyond anything we've ever seen before. Yeah, maybe I'm being hyperbolic. I probably am. But we're all just fed up with COVID and want to get back to normal, whatever the heck normal means anymore. And that includes politics, too. I've already told you how disenchanted I am with politics, and, and it has absolutely nothing to do with who won or lost the last election. I just don't feel like either party represents my views and opinions anymore. I kind of feel left out of the process because, you know, I'm a moderate, a moderately moderate moderate, and moderately proud of it. And to that end, the two political parties have become so polarized that Neither one of them reflects my values these days. So I find myself adrift at sea when it comes to politics. I don't have a home, you know? I'm just stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yeah, you can take the disc jockey out of the radio, but you can't take the radio out of the disc jockey. Sorry. And the inauguration is a good example of that. Because, honestly, I never thought I'd see the day when we'd have to resort to such over-the-top security measures just to swear in the next president of the United States. Metal detectors and National Guard troops just to stop some group of wild-eyed weirdos who don't like the outcome of the election? What the heck has happened to our country? Am I the only one who thinks we've lost our collective minds? Well, I <laughs> I guess I shouldn't ask that question, because somebody will undoubtedly say, Yes, Randy, you're the only one. But honestly, I don't think I am. And it's not just COVID and politics I'm talking about either. This whole dust-up with the Houston Texans has got me extremely frustrated and upset. You know I'm a diehard Texans fan, and I understand they need a culture change over there on Kirby Drive. But they're just not handling it very well, are they? If they don't get this thing figured out, if they don't hire a good head coach, if they wind up losing Deshaun Watson, I'm going to have to start making a very long list of people I need to apologize to. Because I know my mouth's going to go off like some old, unexploded World War II artillery shell. Come on, guys. Stop fooling around and get it right. And... I have another area of concern that folds back a little more effectively into the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show, and 
That's the alarming number of restaurants that have been forced to shut down during this pandemic we've been going through for the last year or so. You might remember a show from a couple of weeks ago. Could have been a couple of months ago. I I don't know. The quarantine nonsense has destroyed my sense of time. The days just seem to run together, don't they? At any rate, I was starting to refer back to a show we did recently. I'll put it that way. It was with an old friend of mine named Jim White. Jim and I were in the Army together, Armed Forces Radio in Korea. That was way back in the early 70s. And then we also worked on a couple of different stations after we got out of the Army and came back to the States. He's done a food and wine show up in Dallas for a lot longer than I've done the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show in Houston, so I like to feature him as a guest from time to time. Jim's a really bright guy, and he has this encyclopedic knowledge of food and wine, and by extension, the restaurant business. And he was the one who first told us that the National Restaurant Association estimates that up to 20% of the restaurants in America have closed forever. They're not coming back. And it's all because of the pandemic. And, of course, the restrictions that we've been forced to adopt to try to stop the spread of COVID. Most of these restaurants are locally owned and operated, of course. You won't be surprised to hear the big national chain restaurants have mostly weathered the storm. But I've talked to several different small restaurateurs who have simply thrown in the towel, excuse the pun, because they just don't have the capital to stay open, not without full-to-capacity, full-service dining rooms. Yeah, the curbside pickup business has been successful for some places, but certainly not all. And that means many of our favorite small, family-owned and operated eateries are just gone for good. These were the kinds of businesses that truly embody the name neighborhood restaurant. And when neighborhood restaurants disappear from the culinary landscape, well, that's just bad news for all of us. Now, I know more than a few neighborhood restaurants that have survived, and yes, even thrived during all of this, but they've been forced to innovate, you know, find new ways of doing business, like streamlining curbside pickup systems and offering alcoholic beverages to go just to stay afloat. We get curbside pickup from one of our favorite local places every Friday night, Lopez Mexican Restaurant in Stafford. And Jonathan Lopez and his staff have completely rebuilt their to-go section in the parking lot to speed up the process, to make it easier for people like us who want to stay quarantined as best we can anyway. I call in the order in advance, and then I drive over to Lopez, where Jonathan has now installed about a dozen takeaway parking spots in their back parking lot. There's one group of spaces for call-in orders like mine, and then there's another set of parking spaces for people who want to just drive up, order, and then wait for the food to be prepared. It's pretty cool. Jonathan really thought it through before he implemented this process, so it works fairly smoothly most of the time. We featured Ron Brandani on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show several times. He and his wife, Claire, own Brandani's Restaurant and Wine Bar and Brandani's Burgers, Tacos, and Brews in Missouri City. They're almost right next door to each other in the Township Square on 1092. And Ron and Claire have worked really hard on their curbside system, so I just order over the phone and pick it up with minimal contact between worker and customer. But the sad fact is that not all neighborhood restaurants have been as creative or as lucky as Lopez and Brandani's. Let's face it, Lopez and Brandani's had already built up their brands long before the pandemic. 
So they had a very large and very loyal customer base that stuck with them, even when they had to scramble just to provide basic meal packages to keep their doors open and keep their workers paid. Lots of other locally owned restaurants failed, and we lost some really good places to eat in a city that's pretty well known all over the country for its lively restaurant scene. On the other hand, we've also seen some new venues open up, even during these hard times for restaurateurs. We talked to two of them just last week, as a matter of fact. Nick Fine, who's the culinary director for Underbelly Hospitality, and he's going to be the chef de cuisine at Wild Oats. And then there was Matt Coburn, the chef de cuisine-to-be at Georgia James Tavern. Those are two new eateries that will open up later on this year with Chris Shepard's name on them. So there are some new restaurants opening up around Houston to replace some of our standby favorites that have closed down. However, I think it's really important to emphasize, we need to continue to support the locally owned and operated eating establishments in our communities. So we're going to talk to another local neighborhood restaurant owner on today's edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. And I think you'll find his story very compelling. So stick around and give us a listen. I say it's time to put the negative energy of the past week behind us. It's time to look to the future. It's time to come together as a community. It's time to show our support for our local businesses that have weathered the storms, the storms like Harvey, and storms like the shutdowns during this pandemic that just never seems to end. You know, some of our greatest moments are forged by fire. And the good Lord in heaven knows we have walked through several walls of fire in the last year or so, haven't we? But you know, on the other hand, you need a good fire to cook, don't you? So here's to good times and good food in the not-too-distant future. If your barbecue's gone up in smoke and your cooking reputation is at stake, stick around. The Old Grill Sergeant will be right back with more ideas and advice to make your next cookout sizzle. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door. With a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media. And my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. 
We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run, and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like, never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Life is simple. Eat, sleep, grill. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hames. First timer alert. Boy, we've been saying that a lot lately, haven't we? <laughs> Say hello to Marty Frenet of Irie's Island Food in Port Aransas. Welcome aboard, Marty. <laughs> hello, thanks for having me. You see what I did there? Welcome aboard, seafood, all that. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> I always enjoy meeting new people. So let's get to know you a little better. First of all, start out by telling us where were you born? Where were you reared? Where'd you go to school? I think most importantly, where did you get your passion to cook? I was born in Midland, Texas in the late 60s. Uh, we ended up moving to Austin a few years later where I grew up, went to uh, middle school, high school, and everything. 
after that, I decided to go to art school in Kansas City at the Kansas City Art Institute. Well, let's not move too fast here. Okay. You told a neat little story on your website okay. about how you got your passion to cook. Talk about that. Okay. So when I was uh, nine years old, uh, both my parents worked. And one day they came home very tired and said to me and my three siblings, hey, you guys going to need to help us out with cooking dinners because we're tired. Um, so they asked each of the kids to take one night a week and cook. And then my mom would, would take the fifth night and the other two nights were, were off. And n- none of my siblings were really terribly interested. Uh, my, my brother fooled around with it a little, a little bit. Um, but within a week or so, um, those responsibilities had been really given to me to, to cook dinner every night. Ah. So I cooked dinner for five or six nights a week um, during from age nine until I graduated high school. Well, from reading your bio, we discovered that you've lived and traveled all over the world. How did that happen? Well, my, my parents actually were both remarried when I was seven years old. And when I was about 10, my dad and stepmother moved to Norway, where my father would work for an oil and gas company. That touched off a lot of travel for my sister and I. Uh, his company would pay for us to, to visit him twice a year. Uh, once we visited Norway and saw his house and his new town, um, on subsequent trips, he had us meet, meet him in various places uh, all over the world, beginning with Europe. Well, one of the common threads that we've noticed in really good chefs is they have this never-ending interest in learning about new cultures and cuisine. So obviously, all those world travels gave you an opportunity to explore that. Talk about that for a minute. It really did. Um, that was kind of, when I first started traveling, I, I, I realized what really what my interests were. We would be, say, in London and seeing the sites like Big Ben or, or Parliament. And though I was interested in it, I, my main focus was where, where are we going to eat? What's the next <laughs> restaurant we're going to eat at? When is that going to happen? Because I love to eat as much as I love to cook. You're a man after my own heart, Marty. <laughs> so it actually became a, a source of, uh, of annoyance for my parents because they'd done all this, you know, spent all this time trying to plan the perfect sightseeing tour. And all I could think about was, you know, w- what's for dinner? As you grew up, you developed a passion for fine art. And as you mentioned, you wound up attending the Kansas City Art Institute. Tell us a little bit about how you got into sculpting. Well, um, it started with art class in high school, um, which I had done all four years in my high school career. And I I was increasingly interested in it. Um, During the early in my senior year, we had um, an admissions counselor from the Kansas City Art Institute visit our class and give a presentation. Um, And the presentation that this guy gave just blew my mind. A lot of the things he showed slides of were of sculptures. And most of us would think uh, a sculpture might be a bronze bust of a statesman or a, you know, or a civil rights hero or something like that. That's just only a very small part of the sculpture world. Modern sculpture entails you know, time, fences, large spaces, a lot of outdoor installations, um, and various materials. So it's it's not just a bronze bust. The one um, piece that really interested me during that presentation was an artist who had figured out that, that they could spray a, an adhesive on just about any, any object, then cover it with grass seed, 
and let grass grow all over it. This artist did an entire marching band of their, all their uniforms completely covered in grass and their instruments. Holy moly. Really fascinating. It was a simple idea. Hey, let's glue some grass seeds to something and see what happens. But that experience led to your first steps into the culinary arts. Right. So before we get too far into that portion of the career journey, did your interest in sculpture influence your ideas on how to plate a meal? We hear chefs talking about plating a meal all the time. Mm -hmm. So being a sculptor, did that give you any insights in how to adorn a plate of food? Sure, it certainly did, and not just kind of plate or something dish, but the, it, it taught me to, to really um, go outside of the box considering different materials, i.e. ingredients, different cooking techniques, i.e. different artist techniques. So I, I began to consider what I wanted to cook in a whole different way, almost in an Eastern philosophical way, where I considered all those things before I even picked up a knife or turned on the stove. So you're really, you're really thinking about all those things. It's not just about what do I want to eat, what am I hungry for. Referring back to your bio again, you said in the mid-90s that you decided to attend the CIA in New York. The CIA, Marty? Yes. Wait a minute. You're in the CIA, man? Does that mean there's a listening device in the tater tots? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be pretty interesting. But the CIA also is an acronym for the Culinary Institute of America. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I attended their original flagship location. There's several locations now um, in Hyde Park, New York. That's just north of Poughkeepsie, which is about an hour and a half outside of New York City. So you received some formal training in the culinary arts. Did that change your approach as a professional chef? It really did um, in the uh, most important sense that before I went to culinary school, I was working at a very important restaurant in Austin, and we were involved with pretty modern techniques, you know, kind of new ingredients. And it was, in a sense, avant-garde. This was before uh, molecular gastronomy was born. Um, but we were... Molecular what? We're doing things in a, in a modern way. Oh, okay. And uh, when I went to chef school, we, most of the chef uh, instructors were European, and they were very focused on classical techniques in a modern application. So the biggest change in my cooking was that I uh, learned to appreciate the, the classical masters and, um, and the dishes that they, the time-honored dishes that they had prepared and other chefs had prepared after them for centuries. So I gained a much more appreciation for the classical cooking and in a sense, turned part of my focus away from trying to wow customers with new ingredients they've never heard of or even scare them with something that sounds really strange or perhaps it wasn't very appetizing. All of my dishes really start with the foundation of classical cooking, and then I, I move on from there to modernize it, make it a little bit more fun, but without giving up what I call the yumminess factor, where th these ingredients are somewhat familiar to your average diner so that they're not scared away from trying something new, because it's just a little bit different, not a lot different. Well, I'm just impressed that you can say molecular what? <laughs> molecular gastronomy. Yeah, what he said there. Yeah. But then you moved to Indiana and Missouri, and you worked in opening restaurants there. But in 2012, you moved back to Port Aransas. Why? Right. Well, so before I moved to Indiana, I did come back from chef school and take over the restaurant Zoot in Austin that I, that I had been a cook at. Um, so I was the executive chef there for a number of years before I decided I was ready to move on to a, another project. That's how I ended up in Indiana. I filled out some applications online, 
talked to some headhunters in the industry, and uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark Kiang contacted me from Bloomington, Indiana, and was very interested in having me open his new restaurant. But why did you move back to Port Aransas in 2012? Uh, I was in a, um, a new relationship. Well, it was about a year old at that point. It was getting pretty serious. My um, wife-to-be uh, was also uh, a veteran of the restaurant industry, and she had dreams of opening a restaurant of her own, just like I did. Um, we decided that at that point that Austin may not be the best place for us to do that in terms of the competition and especially the property values, taxes, and, and costs of doing business there were astronomical. Um, and, they're, of course, they're even, even higher now. Um, my wife had, um, had lived in Port Aransas, for four or five years in middle school and the first part of high school. So she'd always dreamed of going back there. And we thought this is just the perfect setting to uh, put down our roots. So you and your wife opened this small eatery that you named after your daughter, Irie's Island Food. Correct. However, the happy ever after met with some unforeseen events and you've got a new version of Irie's Island Food that's set to open soon. Can you stick around for a few minutes and talk about that? Absolutely. Stay patient. Dinner will be ready right after the smoke alarm goes off. Randy will be right back with more smoke and hot tips for you and your old plane right after this short break. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, a electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's, conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant, all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door, with a wide variety variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. 
Hi, friends. Randy Haynes to tell you about Cellular and Satellite. Cellular and Satellite are specialists in wireless data plans for businesses. Because they buy in large quantities, Cellular and Satellite can give you a data plan on the same provider you're using today, but at a lower cost. Cellular and Satellite can also combine the two largest wireless providers into a single data plan. Two carriers with better coverage, but only one invoice to pay. If your workforce is international, Cellular and Satellite offers a global data SIM with fixed pricing in over 200 countries. You'll never have to pay international roaming charges again with Cellular and Satellite. And they can handle all your wireless data needs whether you need 10 or 10,000 data SIMs. So if you're an IT professional, mobility manager, or business owner, save money and increase your network availability by letting Cellular and Satellite simplify your wireless life. Call Cellular and Satellite today, 832-551-1000, or go to CellularAndSatellite.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a complete computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Stand back. We've got our grill on. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hayes. We're honored to be hosting Marty Frenet on the show today. He and his wife own Iris Island Food in Port Aransas. We appreciate your extra time with us today, Marty. Sure, happy to stick around. In the first segment, we discussed how you opened Iris Island Food in 2012 in Port Aransas. But then old Hurricane Harvey came around, kicked a lot of us in the teeth. That was 2017. What happened? Well, I mean, we, we had been doing just fine up until then in our tiny little 800-square-foot building. Uh, but yeah, in August of 2017, Hurricane Harvey showed up and uh, was much, much worse than everyone expected. Um, we were, remember evacuating just the last minute. We thought we were going to ride it out. So how long did it take you to reopen Irie's Island Food? So as soon as we uh, arrived back on the island when the hurricane passed, I just called the staff back in knowing we wouldn't be open for a while. But they all needed jobs and we needed to repair our building. Uh, we ripped up floors and walls and uh, repaired a lot of equipment that had been soaked in seawater, got everything cleaned up. And we actually reopened just 29 days after the hurricane. Wow. That was, um, that was an important thing for our community. There weren't many restaurants open. I think Dairy Queen was about the only one. Dairy Queen and Waterburger <laughs> had, had managed to stay open because they didn't get flooded. So we were the first independent restaurant to open, and we had a lot of our customers very thankful that they felt like perhaps things were starting to get back to normal because Iris was open and they could come and have their, you know, their usual meal that they were used to having several times a week. And then right on the heels of Harvey came the COVID crisis. Yes. So lots of restaurants closed down. Did Iris Island food also have to close? 
Yes, we did. Um, we closed down when everyone else did during the big shutdown of late March. And uh, we stayed closed for um, about three months. Uh, we reopened in early June um, when uh, the infection rate really settled down and was actually uh, next to nothing in our county. Um, so we reopened. And, uh, of course, it was extremely busy at that point, even though we had decided to go to, to go only. Um, it was still a mob scene. So we went to phone order only where the customer could call in their order and then pick it up on the porch right next to the parking lot to limit exposure between the staff and the customers. But at that point, you and your wife made the conscious decision that you were going to reevaluate Irie's Island food. So what did you guys do? Well, um, our building, again, was very, very small and old. I think almost 80 years old at this point, our building. And it, it was very tightly packed. Um, since we were so busy, we had a lot of employees in the building to handle the crowd. And uh, that, that entailed people really almost being shoulder to shoulder. Um, and what goes along with an old building is an old um, ventilation system as well. We didn't really feel it was safe enough for our employees or our family to co continue to operate. So at the end of July, we went ahead and shut down again. And now you're rebuilding Irie's Island Food in a different location. Is that right? Correct. Due to the hurricane, um, our building was not deemed insurable anymore after we repaired it. It had to be raised a couple of feet in order to get flood insurance. Our landlords decided they didn't want to do this because the building was so old and it wasn't worth doing that. So we began to plan to build a new building at a different location. Ah. Now, we're sure the people of Port Aransas are anxious to get back to Iris Island food. So you've revamped the menu. It looks like you've got a very wide variety of choices, salads to sandwiches, tacos to rice bowls, fried seafood baskets and plates, enchiladas to chicken fried steak. You know, most restaurants try to specialize in one or two things. It looks like you're trying to touch all the bases. Is that right, Marty? Yeah, I, it, that's correct. It's intentional. Even knowing that the more items I have on the menu, the, the more difficult it becomes to manage that inventory and to train my employees. I think we've got 70 menu items now. Well, you were kind enough to give us a preview of the menu. So what we're going to do is pick out a few items and have you focus in on them and tell us about them. Let's start with the tacos. Okay. You've got 11 different tacos on the menu, but the one that caught our eye was dragon taco. Now, first of all, Marty, where do you find dragon meat? I haven't found that at Belleville Meat Market or Boyd's One Stop. So what is in a dragon taco? Well, a dragon taco consists of uh, shredded pork that's very quickly seared on the griddle, um, along with some pico de gallo and some fresh uh, pineapple. And then it get, has two of our dragon sauces, hence the dragon taco, or, or red dragon sauce and our green dragon sauce. Yeah, well, I was thinking maybe the mother of dragons was our waitress. <laughs> yeah, I'd want to give her a really big tip, you know? <laughs> then you have a salad that you call shrimp and avocado. How do you make that? Well, the shrimp and avocado is our most popular salad. Um, it's simply some, uh, some uh, local shrimp that is uh, um, very quickly cooked in what we call kahuku butter. Tuhuku hoo hoo? Kahuku is a place on the North Shore <laughs> of Oahu um, where there are some shrimp farms. And um, the most popular dish on the North Shore is garlic shrimp, which is sim simply shrimp that is cooked in a garlic butter served with 
um, rice. Ah. Um, we, we had visited Hawaii a couple of years before we moved down here and uh, really, really liked that way of eating. In the sandwich section, you feature a chicken fried steak sandwich. Uh, we love chicken fried steak, but how do you make it into a sandwich? Well, that's a new item for us on our, at our new location with our new menu. Um, I love chicken fried steak. Of course, being a Texan, that's something that most of us really enjoy. So uh, I really wanted to add that to my menu. And for, and for no other reason that I could go and get it myself <laughs> for dinner. And rice bowls are all the rage these days, and you have several on the menu. So pick one out that you think our listeners would like and tell us about it. Okay. Um, we do a, uh, what we call a kahuku chicken, which is, which is our most popular rice item. And it's similar to the, to, the, uh, to the garlic shrimp from Hawaii. It's chunks of chicken breast that are cooked in a garlic ginger butter and then put over uh, jasmine rice with a lot of vegetables, sesame seeds, um, and uh, a choice of any of our number of sauces. I think we're up to 19 different sauces. How many? Uh, I think we're up to 19 um, on the new menu. Um, and uh, that really is our number one most popular dish on the entire menu. One, because everyone likes chicken, and two, because it's more affordable because it's not shrimp or steak, and um, the, the everyday diners can afford to have that almost every day for lunch without breaking the bank. Well, not everybody likes meat. My daughter-in-law is a vegetarian, and she always complains to me that restaurants rarely cater to her vegetarian choices. But Iris Island Food has a fried avocado plate that looks like it fills Bill. Am I right? Yes. Um, it, that is an entirely vegetarian item. Um, and it's not vegan because of the eggs that are in the breading for the avocados. Oh, darn. We can make it vegan with that, without that. I'm developing a new type of breading that, that doesn't involve egg in order to have the breading adhere to the meat or to the item being fried. We have a number of vegan options, especially things that can be adapted to be vegan just with a few modifications. Um, I find that most vegetarians and vegans are stuck with like pasta primavera at a, at a, your typical restaurant. And I imagine that the, those folks don't, don't really appreciate that because that's the go-to for, <laughs> for restaurants. Um, a lot of my sauces are what you call an emulsion. Um, mayonnaise is, a, is an emulsion and all that means is that it's, that's, that's, um, that it's oil droplets that are suspended in, in water that are able to give that silky, smooth texture like mayonnaise may have. Um, that involves using egg yolks. I've discovered a way to do that without any eggs at all. I actually use avocado as the emulsifier. Wow. So every one of my taco sauces is actually vegan. Huh. Um, there's, there's no dairy, no eggs or anything or any meat of any kind in any of those sauces. And we've just scratched the surface of the delicious sounding items you're going to find on the menu at the new Irie's Island Food in Port Aransas. Tell us when you're going to have your grand opening or your grand reopening, Marty. Um, we're hoping to be open by the end of next week. So that puts us somewhere around the 25th to the 27th. Do you have a website we can look at? We do, and it's simply iriesislandfood.com, all one word. Our menu's there on the, on the very front page as you open it up, and then if you want to explore a little bit more, you can click on some of the other buttons. And what about social media? Um, you know, I'm uh, from a bit of an older generation. We do have a Facebook page that is extremely active. We're planning on adding Instagram and whatever other, and Twitter <laughs> and other platforms that I don't really use. <laughs> 
Marty, it's been a joy to visit with you today. We want you to come back and visit real soon. Best of luck on your grand reopening of Irie's Island Food. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed speaking with you. Life is short. Grill while you can. Randy will be right back with more food and fun after this break. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media. And my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself. And you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. 
There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door with a wide variety variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. May the forks be with you. This is the Boyd's Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now here's the guy who turns all the grills on, Randy Hames. Some things never change. And candidly, I, I hope this is one of them. We always wrap up the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show with my old Hudson and Harrigan partner on the radio, Fred Olson. What's shaking, my brother? It's all good right now. Um, better than most. Being out in the middle of nowhere in the country is nice. And uh, so, uh, yeah, we're good. We're really good right now. Well, you got the grandkids, huh? We do. We do for the week. Uh, the parents are doing some... Um, my uh, daughter-in-law does a songwriting lab around the country. She started this and from Christian songwriters. So she's doing one in San Antonio and Michael will preach there on Sunday. And uh, so we have the kids and we're having a great time. You know, what's neat is as they get older, when they're little lumps sitting on the couch with you, <laughs> they're fabulous and they're cute, but there's not a lot of communication <laughs> other than I'm hungry or I'm tired or pick me up or, and which is all wonderful. But when they start getting, 10, 9, and Noah is going on 6 now. It's just a whole different world because you communicate. They want to know stuff. And suddenly they go, wow, you, you, know, you, you, you know about this or, or know about that. And tell me about when you were a little kid. You know, they'll ask you those really cool questions because they want to know who you are, too. And it's just it's a lot of fun. So we're having a great week with them. So you told me right before we came on the air that you guys were talking about the solar system? Yeah, we're having uh, pancakes and bacon this morning, and Elia, who's 10, she was talking about, well, I know that uh, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. I didn't know that. <laughs> but how many, what's like a light year? And I said, well, let's, you know, we'll add that up later after we get done with having our mouths full of food. So it's just, it's kind of fun that the conversations are just totally different than, again, Play with me, blocks. You know, now it's, you know, let's go look at the stars. Let's go out and let's go look at animals. Let's go look at the deer. And it's just, I just, I love this stage too. I thought I'd really miss them all being tiny and they were so much fun and just cute as can be. And now they're, they're asking you questions, keeping you on your toes all day long. Well, I must admit, I would love it if my grandson could go back to being five, even if it was just for a day or two. Yeah. Because he was awfully cute then. But, at the same time, you're right. Yeah, now that they're a little older, you can carry on a meaningful conversation. And that's a lot of fun, too. It's just we can't play football anymore because he's too fast for me. <laughs> you know, I, I would say something cute happened. Like we're watching The Mandalorian because the, the two older ones can watch that. Uh, it's a little violent for the youngest one yet. But have you seen it? Great show. Love it. Okay, it's a great show. And of course, it's like Baby Yoda, which is really Gorgu, which is whatever the character is. I went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Jedi, you are. And, and my, and, and my uh, granddaughter looks and goes, you really do that pretty well. What did you used to do? 
<laughs> it's, but it's kind of fun because now they go, wow, that's pretty cool. Because what I used to do is voices when they were little, they go, no, it's scary. You know? <laughs> you know, when you do some like animated voice, they go, hmm. And now it's like, that's cool. <laughs> well, we were sitting around the dinner table one night and we were talking about video games because my grandson really loves to play video games. Yeah. And I said, well, guess what? Pop is the voice of Sensei on Fruit Ninja. And my grandson went, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm the voice of Sensei on the video game Fruit Ninja. And he went, no, you're not. <laughs> and I said, yes, I really am. And he went, wait a minute. And he ran over and he got his phone and he looked it up and he played Sensei's voice. He went, that's you, Pop? And I went, yep, that's me. He went, wow. <laughs> the Marconi Award, the Billboard Award, the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, none of that meant anything. No. I was Sensei on Fruit Ninja. Wow. My daughter-in-law still does it, part of Dragon Ball Z. She's been part of the beginning of Dragon Ball Z. I think she's number 19 or whatever, robot or, or whatever they call it. And she still goes to uh, autograph signing things where they'll have people who are big fans and, and she'll go and, and they'll pay her to show up. And I'll go, wow, that's kind of culturally cool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, then you can really impress your grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> well, my grandson was very impressed with my video game resume. Yeah. Well, the weather's been nothing short of spectacular lately. I think this is why we live here. This is why we put up with hurricanes and long, hot summers. You know, cool but not cold winter days. This is why people in your home state hate us this time of year, right? Uh, I guess. I really haven't. I don't watch the weather in Minnesota very much because it's really depressing. I, the coldest I've ever been, I think, was in the Blue Mountains of Oregon when I was probably 10 I've never forgotten that, and I thought, I never want to be that cold again. Well, I just looked it up this past week. You lived near Duluth, right? I lived in Duluth. Okay. Yeah. I looked up the high and low temperature for Duluth this past week. <laughs> One day, the high was 10, <laughs> above zero, by the way. Yeah. And the low was four. Yep. <laughs> now, to give you an idea, we lived on 2nd Street, and our picture window, you could see Lake Superior. Wow. Okay, in the distance couple miles down the road, I mean, to the lake, but it's a it's biggest inland sulfate body of water in the world. Anyway, so anyway, um, to look out at that and, and have the window kind of rattle in those uh, huge storms coming off Lake Superior, I don't miss it. I just don't miss it. But my buddy lives uh, across that lake into, uh, was it, oh, uh, in, into Wisconsin, South Ridge, something like that. Uh -huh. And um, I asked, how you doing? He goes, oh, you know, it's you know, I've got about two foot of snow out there now, and I've been out snowmobiling. And, you know, you just wrap up real good. And I went, no, no. Do you have any good cold weather stories you could tell us from your childhood? I fell in the river once. I broke through the ice on the Snake River in Pine City when I was probably nine. Ooh. I was coming back from town. I'd gone to the mercantile so you could walk across the river and past the cemetery up into town. It's a little town, about 2,400 people. So I could walk across the river, and I was coming back one night, and uh, I got near the shore. And they teach you what to do in case you fall in. And you put your arms out at your side so you pull yourself out of the ice, and it keeps you from So I fell in probably over, a little over my waist, and I was frozen. And I walk in, they go, well, look what happened to you. you know, Gosh, uh, get over here by the fire. Gosh, look at that. You want to get out of those clothes. <laughs> 
You think? Now, don't some <laughs> homes up north have a little buffer area on the doors for snow boots? And, and it also adds insulation to keep the cold out, right? A buffer area? Oh, you mean like a mudroom? It's called a boot room, something like that? Oh, boot room or mudroom? Like in the south, we have a mudroom here at the ranch where you come through there with your stuff you don't want to traipse through the living room. Yeah, I guess. But it also keeps the house warm, right? Because you open one door, you go in the boot room, then you open the other door and the cold air doesn't come in, right? That makes sense. I think you should go into the architectural business. <laughs> well, see, this all comes from when I was in the Army in Korea. It was ridiculously cold. Oh, I can't imagine that. And we lived in those half-moon hooches that were made of aluminum foil. Uh. And <laughs> they had a door at each end. And if somebody came in one of those doors while the door at the opposite end was also open, Oof. the wind would blow through and the temperature would drop like 25 degrees in five and a half seconds. Man. We started, uh, actually, I saw the first uh, video of this, uh, Life Below Zero. It's one of those scripted reality things. I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, where they're just a couple hundred miles south of the Arctic Circle. And if you throw a, a pitcher of boiling water out of your door, it'll turn into mist before it hits the ground kind of weather. Yeah. I don't miss that. <laughs> there are people who want to do that. And I go, they go, oh, it's terrible cold up here. And you look at how many cords of wood yeah. you have to burn just to get through winter, <laughs> right? Yep. Now, a cord of wood is four feet by four feet by eight feet long. And these, even like in Wyoming, you look at the people burning this pine and, and they have five or six stacks of cords of wood to burn just to get through winter. I'm going, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm just an old Texas boy. And when I was in Korea, I had never seen that much snow in my life. <laughs> and all the guys who were from up north would laugh at me because I was such a wimp on cold nights. Plus, I did the morning show on Armed Forces Radio every Monday through Friday. So I had to tromp through knee-deep snow in the dark <laughs> and try not to fall on my butt on the ice that was underneath. And it just convinced me right then and there, I was never going to move north of the Mason-Dixon line when I came back from the Army. You know, it's going to be interesting. All the people, they say that Texas is one of the biggest destinations for all the uh, for states that are like going kind of under. Uh -huh. Like, well, California, you know, because the cost of living is so high, the average person can't live there. So a lot of people are moving to Austin. Right. Oh, Tesla, you know, some major companies. And they're moving, they're going, this is so great. They haven't been through July and August. Yeah. <laughs> well, buddy, some things never change. And one of them is the time always eventually runs short. Ah. So I'll let you go. And maybe next week we can talk about football a little bit. Yeah, maybe so. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Send us your burning questions and favorite recipes in a private message on our Facebook page, The Outdoor Cooking Show, or visit our website, theoutdoorcookingshow.com. Join us next week for more tasty food and fun over a red-hot grill on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. How's about cooking something up for me?